there's four O's in there. And welcome to our newest edition of the What a Disaster podcast, where we usually talk about uh, talk about and discuss. I do like that because it is just <laughs> really it drives the point home that we are using words <laughs> from our mouths to I, uh, each other. I'm not going to make any excuses. I spent a lot of time in this outline, but not a lot of time on the intro. Okay, look, just shut up. Today we're going to do part two of the Costa Concordia cruise ship disaster. Um, we got uh, we got Christopher again. Hi. Uh, we got Liz as usual. Hi. And Richard died in a car accident, but luckily we were able to retrieve his corpse and reanimate it. We did that thing. We we scanned his memory and we put it into a clone so that so Richard feels like he's still Richard and he has the consciousness, but the actual consciousness is gone forever. Right. I was surprised that he took so well to the clone body that looks nothing like him. Yeah. That makes sense. I was wondering why it was so much prettier. Thanks, guys, for like the upgrade. Yeah, you feel like you cheated death. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, and like not having consciousness, perfect. What what a relief. Yeah, tell me about. It. Okay, well, I'll get the the formalities out of the way here. If you're if you're listening to this and you want to do more than listen, you want to talk to us too. Uh, you can feel free to to chat with us on various platforms. We're Podwad on the Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can you know subscribe to us, of course, on our whatever podcast platform you're using. Definitely review us, or you could even give us a text message or give us a call at two zero nine seven eight one nine one one three. It's a good song. It is a good song. It's my jam. I, I listen see to you, it every day on my way to work. Don't don't. Oh God. Fine. I can see you. Fine. Yeah. Fine. There, this my monitor. He moved my monitor down. What an so upgrade! I look at him. Uh, this Eye just contact. Really uncomfortable. Strange. So this is our 48th episode of our show. Was it 48 last time, or is it 40? Did you actually update I, I, that this time? I, you commented it one. Okay, he got it. He did. <laughs> I it. caught that. Yeah. Um, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week. We kind of gave you the primer on the Costa Concordia business. Um, we got up to the point where they actually wiped out. Yeah, it was on Friday, January 13th. I don't know if you guys knew that. At um, wait, it was Friday the thirteenth last week. Yeah, so Jason Voorhees was waiting on the on shore. Oh, at, you're talking about in the disaster. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking? about? I don't know. It's Friday, January thirteenth, when the boat where we last crashed. left off, Friday, January thirteenth, two thousand twelve, at ten fifty eight p.m. Why didn't you just read it off the paper? Because I didn't like it. Oh, um, the Surfaris. The Surfaris. But it looks of like the, the hurricanes. It wasn't too yeah. far. It looks no. like the Beach Boys did actually do it once. Of course they did. Well, there it is. Yeah. I was wrong. Um, anyway, Jason Voorhees is waiting on shore with his uh, unrealistically sharp machete, and he's going to chop up any survivors, I think, is the plan. Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Oh, God, Richard, with these puns. I think it's fair to say that we're going to spend today <laughs> doing a deep dive. And, of course, he calls out the pun, both figuratively and kind of literally, as we discuss the sinking and recovery of the Coast of Concordia. This is the worst. You wrote this paragraph, and you were like, I'm proud of this. I, I wrote that paragraph... And I laughed so hard I had to take a break. You know what? I believe it. I believe it. Okay. Well, we got through the intro. Yeah. That was painful. <laughs> I'm hurt. You all right? Uh, you going to make it? I don't know. We'll see what happens. So I think we kind of left off um, when the captain called the abandoned ship order. The passenger footage documentary cobbles together all of these different experiences from around the ship. And... Um, one of them is a couple that returns to their stateroom and the power's off. You can't see anything. It's just dark. In this particular cell phone video, you see the guy and his wife walk back to their stateroom and they open the door. And he goes, look at that. How strange. And then the wife goes, 
weird. There must be a ghost in here. And there's dust rising vertically from the floor, like just floating up into the air. And I'm really curious, why is it doing that? And there's no explanation. I couldn't look it up. It's just, you can see it on the camera, just rising toward the ceiling of the stateroom. And it, it, there's not a huge list to the ship yet, so there's no like gravitational pull that I think would be pulling it, but it was very interesting. Um, my, I have a theory. I do too. I'll let Chris go first. Okay. I know nothing about science. My theory is that there's water entering the ship and it's displacing air and it's creating a pressure differential that's that's creating a little vacuum. It's sucking stuff up. 100% what sense. I was going to say. Like when yeah. you when you turn on your shower and the curtain gets like sucked in to the yeah. to the shower. I was going to say the same thing. That it was the water filling in. So yeah, we're I all guess on the we same figured page. it out. Cool. We're all we, both we, scientists as far as I can see, tell. See, now I'm glad I We solved it. it. Does scientists. Three quarters of the people that have no idea what's going on agree yeah. and therefore it is true that is <laughs> science. Absolutely. It's an official stance of the What is Aster podcast that dust rises when water displaces it. But also there was a ghost in there too. Yeah, for yeah. sure ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely haunted. All right, so water ghosts that got sucked into the ship and they're trying to get out. And, Cole Spielberg. Yep, they got a- attached to the dust. The spirit of Poseidon's children. So after the abandoned ship order is called, uh, everybody who hasn't already been heading for the lifeboats heads for the lifeboats. In particular, on the ship, they were designed to accommodate angles of up to twenty degrees, which, of course, the Conco- Concordia soundly surpassed, especially the second time it hit shore and listed very, very rapidly. Though there was no muster station drill that would have at least shown people where they were supposed to go to get on their lifeboats had ever happened, the drill wouldn't really have accounted for the loss of half the lifeboats due to the angle of the ship. I feel like you could just like get on one of the lifeboats and then slide down the ship on the lifeboat. It would tumble, it would tumble. Yeah, it would um, roll. So how many degrees are we talking about here? Like what kind, of, what kind of angle is the ship at when all this is happening? Well, when it hits the first rock, it kind of tilts just a little bit to one side, and it doesn't go back the way it's supposed to go back, like it usually does, so people kind of know something's off. And it drifts out and comes, it turns in the waves and drifts back towards shore, where it hits the rocks again. And the second time it hits the rocks, it flips over onto the other side, opposite of the way it was listing before, but very, very rapidly, completely 90 degrees. Like completely on its side. 90 degrees? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. This thing was on its side. Yes. So it's on its side. Okay. Scatino claimed during his trial that at this point, when he went up to observe the situation, he was knocked off balance right into a lifeboat. Gosh dang it. <laughs> and there is convincing but uh, admittedly low quality and thus unproven passenger cell phone footage of a very Scatino-like figure calmly waiting, leaning against the ship railings as he waits for a lifeboat. And this is all 30 minutes after he said abandoned ship. Yeah. They were like already, the bridge is already a ghost town. Everybody who worked there was already on lifeboats. See, he waited 30 minutes after he said abandoned ship. What yeah. more can you want ask for? <laughs> exactly. Like what, what What good was he going to do on the ship where, you know, he knows everything and is in charge? <laughs> and is supposed to give orders. And of course, um, had he given the orders when he was supposed to, this wouldn't have been so bad because people would have had an extra hour to get off, but he didn't. He just kind of pretended everything was fine to try to save face, and it was not fine, and it made everything a lot worse. There's some great audio of, like, the Coast Guard in the helicopter, and they were just chatting with each other, trying to find the ship, and they were, they were like, just going back and forth, and they are actually having a really difficult time 
fighting the ship because there's a bunch of other ships in the ocean as well. You watch them zoom out onto yeah. these other ships. Like, is that it? Like, no, that's not it. It's a lot bigger. You want to read this with me, Greg? I'll start it off for you. <laughs> is that it? No, it's a bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it must be behind here somewhere. There it is. Look there. Shit, it sunk. Son of a bitch. Bloody hell. What a mess. It's a properly sunk. <laughs> this is the direct translation. We're going into the ship now. Get closer. <laughs> Good accent. Hey, you're welcome. You know. So, unfortunately, this is also the point where they identify oh, no. something Come warm on. floating in the water. Really? Right before the dead people? I'm making jokes? Yeah. <laughs> There's dead people all over this. Fuck you guys. <laughs> well... It's not your um, fault. You didn't leave the ship. You didn't abandon the ship. Well, hop they into thought he was alive at first, off. and they they tried to get to him, but they realized pretty quickly that he was not. So now, how many people died? Thirty-three, 33? counting a rescue driver, but thirty-two okay. on the ship. As not, it not, thirty-three is it's all fault of that captain. Yep. He has yes. thirty-three deaths on him. Yes, he does. We okay. have we have some rescue operations underway at this point, of course, because now the Coast Guard knows where the ship is and knows how bad the situation has truly become. Um, there were still tons of people aboard the ship, and the Coast Guard was actually shocked and commented that they couldn't believe their eyes seeing how many people were in infrared. You can see them trying to climb down the ladder, like sideways down the hall into the water. Which pretty much sets the tone for how the Coast Guard approaches this moving forward. <laughs> they are stunned. Of course, being on board is not safe. Besides the nearly impossible angle to walk down the hallways, the decks were described as having been painted with this polyester material that made it impossible to gain purchase. And passengers and crew had to hold on to each other and help each other up, and everyone was falling and helping each other back to their feet, which is strangely beautiful. It's a nightmare when you think about it. I you're know, like trying to escape and you can't because you're sliding around. The way that one of the dancers talks about how people just kept grabbing her and pulling her back up to her feet as she's scrambling to get because she was in charge of the lifeboat and she's scrambling to get to the right place. And then there was another dancer who uh, who was dating a ship's engineer and she, the engineer came up and told his girlfriend, the dancer, that things were actually really bad. Um, earlier in the night, and she was one of the, one of the first to find out because of it. But she says that mothers were chucking their babies at me boyfriend. He had like three babies in his arms, and he didn't know where to put them. <laughs> Even better. Well, that, that dancer knows how to how to pick them, I oh, guess. Yeah, yes, like, yeah seriously. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski over here, She's like log armed, catching one hand catching baby yeah, heads, chucking babies at the man. People are taking him. He's taking him. I mean, if it's, if he's babysitting, shit. Get on the promenade deck. Get some drinks. Yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, wait, no, they're holding... not giving drinks away. They're just cleaning the fucking bar. <laughs> Could you imagine holding all these babies and getting on a lifeboat? Like, I don't even know who these are. <laughs> I have a child. <laughs> I have a child. Um, I feel great. I had this moment where I hadn't thought about James Cameron's Titanic. In probably a year. A week? In a week. I think about it literally every day. <laughs> but I was brushing my teeth or like doing something in the bathroom mirror and I was like, Finally. Cal forced his way onto a lifeboat with a child in his arms that he stole from someone and then killed himself after the Wall Street collapse. Like, what a fucking asshole. And I was just like, oh, yeah. a year after seeing this movie. So. Unprompted. Um. Just to rewind a little bit for Chris, like for how much he thinks about Titanic, he has that like the Titanic cover art where it's Jack and uh, what's her name over the Rose. The, Rose. Yeah, Jack and Rose. 
over the ship. He's got a mirror of that, but the Rose head is missing, so that when he wakes up, his head is where Rose's head would be in the mirror. Yeah. Yep. Every so, every morning, every morning, I'm the king of the world, Jack's embrace. It's beautiful. Yep. Things continue to get worse. Things continue to get worse. As we mentioned before, the ship comes to rest on its side on a rock shelf, an underwater rock shelf, which is the reason it, it hit that in the first place, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. So it comes back to this rock shelf, and it's just kind of hovering there. And everybody on board doesn't, of course, know the underwater topography and uh, are kind of just expecting the, the ship to slip off of the rock and, and fall into the water. And most are just expecting that they're not going to make it out. So how deep is this channel? Could that have happened? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. During the um, salvage operation, they were really worried that they were going to knock it loose and knock it into the water. And then that would have been devastating because everything in that boat would have gone into the water and just ruined the like ecology. Mm. It was a real yes. concern. It's, it's very delicately balanced on this rock shelf. That's Many why. people jumped off the ship and swam for the shore, and a lot of them were pulled out by the villagers who lived on, on Gilio. And also, these villagers welcomed people into their homes. They took care of them. Nobody knew where they were. Nobody, like, this wasn't on the crew's itinerary, so, like, they didn't even know what the name of the island was, or some of them didn't even... I, mean, I think they knew they weren't on the mainland, but they just weren't sure what they were doing. They knew they weren't on the boat anymore. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> like, this feels different. anymore. Yeah. So a dancer with a horrible fear, fear of water was among the swimmers that jumped off of the ship and survived the swim. He recalls being told by people still aboard not to look back as he swam, and he said that like the Titanic, there was a deep, deep echo noise of metal breaking apart, and that will never leave him, he said. Another dancer named Rose, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. because of course, climbs freehand by her fingertips to the highest point of the ship that she can reach where she waits an agonizing hour for rescue helicopters to eventually notice her and another person there waiting with her by the strobes of their life vests. I was thinking, like, you know how those ships usually have those climbing walls? She totally got in (laughs) shape, like, climbing on the deck during her breaks, and now she finally got to use it. Uh, Do we know? I'm very curious about details that we might not have on hand, about, like, how how far did they have to swim? What was the water temperature? What was it, it was two miles? It wasn't two miles. It might have been a mile. It was It was the yeah. middle of winter, so the water was freezing and people were dying of hypothermia mm-hmm. as they tried to swim. And some would get, like, as the ship was sinking, it created this underwater vortex that pulled a lot of people yeah, under kind of as an well. undertow type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Just Which like would Titanic. have been a thousand times worse had it not been resting on that rock shelf. Yeah. So a lot of people did live and wouldn't have. It would have been devastating. As far well, as if it hadn't been for the rock shelf, they wouldn't have been sinking at all. So. <laughs> We're gonna. <laughs> he went back to it though. If he would have heated, he hit the rock shelf and he goes out into deeper water. Had he not have brought the boat back to that rock shelf, he would have sunk oh, out yeah, in the deeper water and it would have been fucked. I'm gonna. Okay, I want to say something about that though because there there is this this video of the bridge that you can watch and you can see what they say. And Scatino said in court that he was the one that activated bow thrusters, which are basically these very low energy, like. Lasers? No. Oh. They, <laughs> Fireballs? They move the ship in oh. a direction, but not very fast and not very effectively. But he claims that he went and activated those and thus guided the ship back oh, to Oh, are they like um, for getting closer to the dock when they're... Yes. Okay. Yes. It's like in Star Trek when the warp drive's broken. However, and no, I'm not sure whether this drive, is... Richard. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. I don't know if that's true. But... I think it is. I think you're right. You're right. So I don't know whether this was brought up in court, but during the video, you can hear him say, 
We are now drifting towards shore. What depth are we at here? And this refutes the bow, bow thruster theory because he literally says we're drifting yeah. in his voice. So. Uncontrolled. And I take back what I said earlier because when he comes back towards the rock shelf, it, you just say listed it in the other direction and that's when yes. it hit the 90 degree angle. It probably would have been a lot easier to control out in the water because it wasn't listing. It was just damaged. Mm. So yes. it was sinking very slow and they probably could have sealed off the compartments and kept things going. Yeah, who knows? I mean... Either way, he made a lot of bad decisions. I don't think anybody's refuting that. Oh, no. This guy this guy is one big bad decision. Well, this well, is why I'm I'm confused, because we're talking about a mile, but in all, all the pictures I've seen... It's right there. It's really close. Yeah. So... I don't think it was... I feel like the documentary we watched it was about a mile off shore that a lot of people uh, swam. But yeah, you see that little island right there. It's really close. Maybe you couldn't get up there. Maybe it was all coral and... Like you couldn't get through. Uh, there are dots. I mean, if I had the choice between to. swimming through some coral or getting murdered to death by a ship that's sinking, I'm going to risk the coral. I think yeah. most of the people who swam survived, to be honest with you. I, I think most of the casualties were people who were trapped on the boat or in elevators. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean, it was February. It's, I, I wouldn't want to be in that water at all. I, I was also Italy. I don't know how cold does like Italy get in uh, winter. I was how there cold does the water get? I was there in February on the island of Sardinia. It was about. Why don't you just Google the temperature? It was about 43 degrees when I was there, and oh. it does. So it gets pretty cold. It was really cold because it was windy. It felt terrible. I definitely would not have got. I definitely would not have wanted to get in that water. It would have been pretty, pretty freaking. Cold. Another thing I wasn't able to find a, a ton of information about, but it was definitely out there, was this bit about the anchor. After he says um, that we're we're drifting toward the shore, what depth are we at? We're about a, at 100 meters here. Then he says, okay, well, we have to see if we can make it with the length of the anchor chain. Let's drift a bit more into shallow waters, then drop the anchor. At worst, we'll sit on the seabed. Let's just wait and see. So it, from what I hear or from what I've seen, it sounds like they just way over deployed the anchor chain. So it was just like pointless. The anchor was on its side when they found it. It wasn't anchored. It wasn't locked into anything. And it said that if it had, if they had effectively done it, that would have helped and it would have prevented the prevented the list so they fucked up the anchor just like they fucked up everything else that night they didn't do everything right they didn't do hardly anything right at this point there's a rope ladder that's been thrown over the hall and now the the ship's completely sideways and people are using that rope ladder to try to get out some people are still trapped in what was like the uh the main ballroom area and they're using the rope ladder to get out of there. Well, yeah, there was there were people that got caught in the middle when they were told to run from one side. They were on the one side with the lifeboats, and they yeah. couldn't get those lifeboats down, so they were told to run across the ship to the other side, and that's where a lot of people died. Too. So as much as the captain fucked up, the coast guard was really on on their game in this. They they were there. They were they rescued a lot of people. They, they saved did. a lot of lives. And what they, was America's Navy doing this whole time? <laughs> not being in Italy. <laughs> yeah, not helping people. <laughs> Amassing lots of money. Not being a global force for good. Yeah, imagine that. Um, the rope ladder that we were just talking about was what the Coast Guard saw and commented that they were so amazed to see. It's just like white lights. The people were white lights in this infrared footage just crawling down the side mm. of the ship. It was pretty in- incredible. Hmm. I, I want to watch some of this documentary footage after we're done with all this. Yeah. yeah. Pretty interesting. Stuff. Uh, for for those that don't know, I'm going into this completely blind. I I mean, I knew about it obviously when it happened, but I was told not to. We not gave to you do a reading research. list, and you said uh, anything with pictures, and I said no, and you said, well, then you can eat it. That is 100. percent And then I actually force fed him a couple of pages of the first book he suggested. 
I, is, I did a coloring book on the incident, but that's the extent of my knowledge. Beautiful work, though. I saw way. on TV. Thank you. Great. I like the way you blended your purples. Thank you. I I've, I always have a problem with coloring books because I want to use all my colors. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, sometimes sometimes you, just, you get a scene that's like just grays and, and blues. There's a lot and, of whites and blues on that. Yeah, you get that. that like eighty-five box cr- of, of crayons, and you're like, man, I just really want to use this new color, to, the sparkly neon green. So I'm aware that like the life jackets on the coast of Concordia were not rainbow printed, <laughs> but they were not. I had eighty-five colors. Artistic. Oh, you got to use them. You got to get all 85 colors on a page. Otherwise, what's the point of having them? It's, Plus, they're like, then you pull out one of your colors and it's way more worn down than the other ones. Yep. Then you just have to use all the other ones a lot yep. more. And your pictures start to get off balance. It's it's not great. Stupid white crayon. We're going to go sharpen some crayons. And when we get back, we are going to talk about uh, the Costa Concordia. Do you guys know what that is? Costa Concordia. Never heard of it. Okay, we're going to bash the captain and we are going to talk about that more. And just, uh,. Probably like immediately, really. Yeah, it probably does like like right now. You won't even notice. I didn't notice. He's known in Italy as Captain Coward, accused of showing off while at the wheel of a 112,000-ton cruise liner and ultimately causing it to sink. 18 months on as Francesco Scatino starts his trial, this is what's become of the Costa Concordia, the most expensive accident in maritime history and the scene of 32 deaths. Captain Scatino is accused of causing this shipwreck and then abandoning it, as well as multiple manslaughter. Hopefully this trial will reveal exactly why such a sophisticated ship hit the jagged rocks and whether Scatino really did just trip and fall into one of the first lifeboats, as he says, leaving thousands of passengers on board. This is DeFalco speaking from Livorno. Am I speaking with the commander? Yes, good evening, Commander DeFalco. Please tell me your name. I'm Commander Shatino, Commander. You mean Scatino? Listen, Scatino, there are people trapped on board. Now you go with your boat under the prow on the starboard side. There's a pilot ladder. You will climb that ladder and go on board. You go on board and then you will tell me how many people are there. Is that clear? I'm recording this conversation, Commander Scatino. Commander, let me tell you one thing. Speak up! Put your hand in front of the microphone and speak more loudly. Is that clear? In this moment, the boat is tipping. I understand that. Listen, there are people that are coming down the pilot ladder of the prow. You go up that pilot ladder, get on that ship, and tell me how many people are still on board and what they need. Is that clear? You need to tell me if there are children, women, or people in need of assistance. And tell me the exact number of each of these categories. Is that clear? Listen, Scatino, that you saved yourself from the sea, but I'm going to really do something bad to you. (laughs) I'm going to make you pay for this. Go on board, expletive. Uh, I think he says fuck. (laughs) Go on board, fuck. Commander, please. No, please. You now get up and go on board. They're telling me that, that on board there are still... I am here with the rescue boats. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I am here. What are you doing, Commander? I'm here to coordinate the rescue. What are you coordinating there? Go on board. Coordinate the rescue from aboard the ship. Are you refusing? No, I'm not refusing. Are, are you refusing to go aboard, Commander? Can you tell me the reason why you are not going? I'm not going because the other lifeboat is stopped. You go aboard. It is an order. Don't make any more excuses. You have declared abandoned ship. Now I am in charge. You go on board. Is that clear? Do you hear me? Go and call me when you are aboard. My air rescue crew is there. Where are your rescuers? My air rescue is on the prow. 
Go. There are already bodies, Scatino. How many bodies are there? I don't know. I've heard of one. You are the one who has to tell me not how many there are. Christ! But you do realize it is dark, and here we can't see anything. And so what? You want to go home, Scatino? It is dark and you want to go home? Get on that prow of the boat using the pilot ladder and tell me what can be done, how many people there are, and what their needs are. Now! I'm with my second in command. So both of you go up then. You and your second go on board now. Is that clear? Commander, I want to go on board, but it is simply that the other boat here, there are other rescuers. It has stopped and is waiting. It has been an hour that you have been telling me the same thing. Now go on board. Go on board! And then tell me immediately how many people there are. Okay, Commander. Go! Immediately! Uh, you won't be surprised to find out that there is no evidence that Scatino ever tried to reboard the ship. <laughs> Nor that he knew what starboard was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Instead, he took a taxi to a local hotel and gave an interview to the local news media in which he claimed he was the last person to abandon ship and that, quote, almost all the passengers were rescued. He looks sweaty. He's just really confused by all the nautical terms his commander kept throwing at him, I think. I love it. If you listen to it, he just keeps going like, but, but it is like, go on board. Can you hear me? He's like, uh, uh. You want to go home? Man, this guy seems like a real fuck. Yeah, all you had to he do is. at this point was go back, get up there. He would have been fine. He would have, and they needed somebody who knew the ship to get on there and tell them what was going on. At that point, the ship had sunk as much as it was going yeah. to sink until it was, it was lifted out of that area and take, hauled away for scrap. People who paid to get on this fucking boat were dying. And he was just like, see ya. Yeah. I'm out. Fuck you, I'm fine. Yeah. Who wants tacos? <laughs> I kind of do. Now, what must be the most epically condescending call in the history of the Coast Guard is placed by Gregorio <laughs> Mario de Falco of Livorno to the cowardly captain who was in his lifeboat at the time. The cowardly captain. The cowardly if captain. only he had courage. I want to know more about this DeFalco, because he sounds like an absolute badass. He He's really probably, <laughs> like, rushed into so many ships before. So... None of them were his fault. You can just tell. <laughs> yeah. From what I could tell, he he was definitely, like, a hero in Italy after after all this went oh, down. yeah. But there was some, some employment situation or some reason he fell into disgrace a little bit later on. Um, I think he was kind of an asshole. I think he was kind of an <laughs> you know asshole. Say. The most exciting thing that happened on any of my cruises was when our captain said, and now we're going to toodle the horn. <laughs> blew the horn as we were pulling out. And it was amazing. Toodle the horn. Toodle. Uh, toodle. <laughs> I, I, just, I just looked it up, though. DeFalco's doing great. He's actually an Italian senator now. Oh, yeah. And it says that uh, uh, his order, get the fuck back on board, became very popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very popular. I hope that was now. his sl a political slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Vote the Falco. Get, Get the, the fuck, fuck on board. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Um, so not to bring it back to a dark place, but uh, the part that struck me the hardest were um, there were four victims that were found in the atrium elevators. That's the really or ordinate jade elevators. There were some four people were trapped in those those glass elevators. And another nine passengers were trapped in other elevators, and they all died. And that's the most terrifying uh, aspect that came out of this, in my opinion. It's like, could you imagine being stuck on those elevators as it is filled slowly with water with a bunch of strangers? Yeah, like, uh, uh, where were where were crew members stopping people from getting onto these yeah. elevators when this happened? Well, How preventable. The blackout 
happened 10 minutes after. Forget the blackout. They hit something. That is pretty much shut down the elevator. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's I why mean, you do if that. This, if this was handled properly, yeah, that right. would have been the case. But it, it was horribly mishandled. Uh, that's not just Scatino, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. No. It's just- what kind of like regulations? Because like when an airplane crashes, they like research the shit out of it and everything that went wrong, and then they make sure it'll never ever happen again. Is there anyone who researched this thing and was like, okay, from now on, we're locking down the elevators? Well, there is a full official report, and I do. I couldn't really find specifics, but there were, they claimed that there were some sort of modifications made to Italy's process of having those muster station drills. Um, they were supposed to be within 24 hours of boarding, but I think they need to be right when you get on board. Who even regulates the cruise ship industry? Uh, well, we were Everyone and no one? We were listening Coast to guy? a legal podcast, actually, that went over this the other day, and it depends. So the ship, in this case, the ship was owned was an Italian ship. It was flying on, it was floating under an Italian flag. Yeah. And it was crewed by an Italian crew. So this is all Italy. This is all the regulations. Where it gets complicated is if you have like a boat that's sailing under like the American flag, but it has an Italian crew. Right. Which happens all the time because, you know, frankly, it's cheaper and sometimes it's in, to hire know, a foreign crew. The Caribbean, it's in like, you know, Mexico or something. Right. So. Exactly. And in that case, the regulations are tricky. It's actually both the country that sails under and the country that the crew is like a citizen of. So then the um, regulations get tricky. Well, and then on top of that, it's owned by Miami-based Carnival Cruises. So there's U.S. interests here as well. And no one was exactly sure how to work this out yeah. in court. And it was pretty, it was a pretty novel case. Yeah, but not abandoning way. ship. He didn't necessarily break laws, but he broke laws. It was he really broke Italian confusing. law. Yeah, he broke Italian law. It was really confusing uh, how that worked, but. Had it been an American ship, you may not have gotten in the same amount of trouble or mm-hmm. the same kind of trouble. I don't know what the rules are here. I'm sure they're just as strict, if not. But you never know, because American uh, companies tend to skirt rules wherever they can, usually yeah. by saying, no, this isn't an American ship. This is a ship out of Portugal, yeah, right. just to completely get like the laziest laws they can to right. avoid any potential yeah. consequences. But we'll get more into this. The, the cruise ship company was able to throw the captain right under the boat. So yeah. it was not an issue. Like they were just like all his fault and everybody agreed. So they kind of didn't get really in any trouble at all. It was all put on the captain. Yeah, that's madness. Yeah. Someone just hired this captain and put him on our boat. We had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Where you even came from? Captain who? I've never heard of that guy before in my life. We Look didn't at this idiot. hire him. He just showed up. Who would hire this guy? Come on. All right. So um there were there were a lot of heroes that emerged from this night and they deserve to be remembered. So I wanted to talk about them. Um, William Arlotti was escorting his five-year-old daughter, Diana, to, he was, they were at the lifeboats on one side where they couldn't get off. So they were told to cross the ship and, and the dad was, who had just had a successful kidney and pancreas transplant and was on vacation to celebrate this, was taking his five-year-old across the ship. She's freaking out. But unfortunately, um, there was sort of this vortex that opened up in the middle of the ship that they fell into and they were lost. And so there was there was a witness in court that was there when it happened, and it's so horrible to even imagine and for him to have to watch. And I, I don't know, it was heartbreaking, and I cried a lot while I was reading. Are, is this everybody? You have a list of it. I don't have a list of everybody, but I listed all the crew. So um, I'm gonna do my best with these names. They are Italian. These these were the crew members. There was Giuseppe Girolamo, 30 year old musician who was on a lifeboat 
but gave up his seat for a child and did not survive. Sandor Fajer, a violinist, and Tom Tomas wow. Alberto Castillo Mendoza, a cleaning supervisor, perished after helping groups of passengers into the lifeboats. 29-year-old bartender Erica Fani Surya Molina gave her life vest to an elderly passenger and drowned. Pictures of her show a very sweet-looking lady with a pretty smile who looked like she enjoyed the heck out of her job. And a waiter named Russell Rebello, who, in spite of a fever that had him asleep in his cabin until the water level reached his bed, heroically stayed aboard to lower the last lo- lifeboats and drowned as well after giving his best to someone else. Like the captain didn't. We should. Like the yeah. captain didn't. And then um, one of the guests, Maria Trecarici, a vacationer who drowned 12 minutes after her 50th birthday aboard the Concordia, had also given up her spot on the lifeboat. And, he, and she and Russell Rebello, the waiter, were both missing for two freaking years before finally being found as the ship was being pulled back upright. While waiting for the closure, the DNA results on the remains would bring. Rebello's brother joined the family of Trecarici at the site of the wreck, where they were both given permission to take small pieces of rope from the ship in their lost family's memory. All people who shouldn't have that. It's horrible. Thanks, right. Thanks, Captain Shit. Shit, Tino. People who did the right thing that night. People who looked out for others and took care of others. It's just so wildly unfair. Well, I'm sure a lot of people looking out for others also survived. It's unfortunate. It's true. People didn't. Then uh, after the sun rises on the shipwreck and Navy divers search for days and weeks for survivors and bodies making their way through debris and broken glass underwater. Heaps of furniture littered the passageways, making it very difficult to swim and to make it through places and to find people that were lost. Chris, you're, you're the one with, with diving experience. Have you done any uh, anything outside of like open water? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done ice diving, which is probably the most applicable because it's an overhead environment. I mean, I've, been, I've, dived, I've dived a couple shipwrecks, too. I did go into the wheelhouse of a sunken tugboat once. Um, the, so the problem with a dive like this is you don't want to get lost and you want to be able to find your way back, right? right? So usually you're running lines if you're penetrating a wreck or something like that so you can follow your line back or if you're in a cave because if you lose your line, you die because you'll never find your way back to where you can access the surface. Um, But when I look at these pictures from the Costa Concordia, it's just a complete soup of shit flown in the water and furniture and papers. And it's like, I don't know how you would ever, ever do that. And I I doubt that they were even running lines because the lines would just get snagged on everything. Yeah, you'd end up tangling up a bushel of chairs or something yeah um i just memorize some maps and hope for the best maybe you just measure memorize maps and you have a lot of people working with you and i i don't know how you would even approach people people with lights a chain of people with lights so that you can track back to the last light yeah like this isn't a vacant ship yeah it's just just a complete it's like a garbage pile that oh. happens to be wet. It's like the trash compactor in Star Wars. Right, right. I mean, it, you're, you've got all the, the regular risks of scuba diving coupled with all the floating furniture and stuff, yeah. like everybody else's life. And let's not forget floating um, around you. Boat ghost. I mean, and a ship like this is going to have ghosts. For sure there's ghosts. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about purser Manrico Giampadroni. And purser is someone who controls the money on the ship. Treasury. Um, Treasurer. Secretary. That's the word I was looking for. So he had helped a bunch of people into the lifeboats and had gone to comb the decks for survivors when he fell and broke his leg in a submerged restaurant trapped in the tangle of tables and chairs we were just talking about. 
So for 36 hours, he waited in the freezing winter water, eating soggy sandwiches and drinking bottles of Coca-Cola as they floated by. He was the last survivor found aboard, and he was found because he banged a frying pan against the wall to alert the rescue team that he was there when like he saw movie. them. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you make noise when you're trapped yeah. somewhere. Yep. You, you want people to find you. Amazing. He's pictured in the 2012 news article about this with a big smile expressing his desire to get back to work. <laughs> Soggy <laughs> sandwiches, though. <laughs> I get over it. So was he a um, ship worker? He was. He was He's basically the treasurer on board. Okay. He says the first thing he did upon rescue was to hug the fireman who found him. My heart is warm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Costa Cruises entirely blamed the captain for taking the ship off course by the time this reaches litigation. The uh, the captain's defense blamed Costa Cruises for telling him to go off course as a publicity stunt, and a helmsman, he claims, botched the sail-by maneuver. <laughs> that should never have happened in the first fucking place. Who's, who, why, why is the captain not steering the boat when the sophisticated navigational systems are overridden and it's put into manual control. I just yeah. I mean, if you're if you're gonna override it, you better have some confidence in what you're about to freaking do. He was too well, busy high fiving his mistress. And as we talked about in the last episode, the mistress was on the bridge during all of this. They had a bottle of red wine at dinner that night, and they were seen by guests doing that. And also, um, another another crew member on the bridge testified in court that Scatino repeatedly asked him to help navigate because he didn't have his glasses he left his glasses in his cabin so he couldn't see he's probably a little bit drunk from the red wine and he uh we should hire him yeah he, he was also on the phone he was huh. on the phone with someone he knew on the island who wasn't on the island at the time but um it is believed that the phone call ended as the ship hit the rocks so yeah he's uh hang up and drive my dude yep uh, just we need robot captains. We, we had, had a robot. Captain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but shut it off. Yeah, one one you can't shut off. He deflated it. A cyborg <laughs> with no sex drive. So and like a, the one from infinite, infinite alcohol tolerance. Have you watched Wally? Yeah, the uh, the autopilot of the ship that wouldn't let the captain turn it off because. Oh, totally, I, it's been a while yeah. since I watched Wally. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. There you go. <laughs> so. uh his mistress served. Uh, his mistress served as a witness at the trial. So that was pretty interesting stuff. Uh, you know, they were like, there was no affair. Apparently, they did have like a two week affair. It's like yeah, she she testified over and over that there was no affair, and then eventually the judge got her to admit it because they had found her suitcase and bikinis in his stateroom, and she didn't even have well, a ticket. Well, shit was floating around everywhere. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Probably floated down the hall yeah. into his stateroom. And carefully put herself in his dresser. It's uh. It's pretty, you know, two weeks. I mean, that that just feels like the Titanic too, right? Like it's just yeah. their budding romance got cut short by you know, a horrible shipwreck. Let me let me say something controversial. Outside of the context of being a ship captain, this guy's probably fun. <laughs> right, he's, <laughs> he's down the party. Like, yeah, like you know, yeah. Stresses. Like like Greg said, we should have him on the podcast. It's like, yeah, he probably just wants to drink a bunch of wine and fuck around. Yeah, unfortunately, just don't put him in control of 179 lives. <laughs> yeah, like. One of the world's biggest cruise ships. Maybe give them a smaller cruise ship. To don't, start let them, don't let them watch your kids. Don't let them babysit your cat or your dog. Okay. Well, 
Uh, we're gonna. You're you're scared. You want to go home? I do. It's dark. <laughs> Get aboard the ship. <laughs> it's dark. Get there's, aboard the there's ship. There's a lifeboat in the way. <laughs> if you'd have gone back on an hour ago, it wouldn't have been as dark. But I got Get my first ab- officer with me. We're gonna take a break. I'm gonna push Richard back aboard the ship, and when we're back, we're gonna finish up this episode about the Costa Concordia and Captain Shit sinking and Captain fucking shit face fucking shit fuck. Tito. What's Italian for McGee? <laughs> I think it just I think it's just McGee. Fine. No. Captain Shithead McGee. <laughs> no. But in Italian. McGino. Back on Giglio, the wreckage is marring the tourist view for another summer. The salvage team admits it will be months before the waters will be clear again. We lost almost two months through the winter period and then drilling into the granite uh, and the slope of the granite that she's resting on. It's almost uh, 35, 45 degrees in places. And by the end of August, the very first days of September, we're ready for the uh, power buckling operation. So what we have to do before we get permission for that is submit all the documentation to the authorities, and then they can give us a final go-ahead. But there's no guarantee that the ship can be rolled upright and survive intact. For its former captain, this trial could also last for months, as the court will hear testimony from more than 100 of the former passengers and workers who survived the Costa Concordia disaster. Charlie Angela Al Jazeera, Giglio. Lager of the Lakes, Bohemian Pilsner. I was coming back and you just talked over me. You're good. Am I? Are you sure this time? Yeah. Can't fucking do anything around you. Want me to check? Let me check. Yeah, you're good. Anyway, the Lager of the Lakes Bohemian Pilsner is as refreshingly crisp as a morning swim in the Great Lakes. This golden lager sparks thoughts of sandy beaches and freshwater islands. That one's by Bells. Yeah. How's it taste? Uh, easy to drink. I would like to take this opportunity to read the description of my beer. Oh, Are you please. guys ready? No. What's no. your beer? It's M43 by Old Nation. It's one of the, my favorites. No civilian needs an M43. <laughs> this civilian <laughs> needs Official an M43. Official platform of the What a Disaster podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is what Old Nation has to say about M43. Government warning. One, in accordance with the general, <laughs> women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Two, consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car, operate machinery, machinery, and may cause health problems. Also, um, impairs your ability to say the word machinery. Yep. <laughs> also <laughs> impairs your me. ability to, to drive a cruise ship. Cruise yeah, oh yeah. ship. So these are great beers. You're yeah. welcome. Listening audience. Chris has had a... a, a so what happened to our Captain Scatino? So after trying to foist responsibility onto the Costa <laughs> cruise line and the other people on the bridge. And was, the, was this like the trial of the century in Italy? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was a big fucking deal. And I'm frankly, I'm a little shocked that I lost track of this story because I was super interested in it. And I looked it up a lot when it first happened. And then I just didn't hear anything else. It just never reached like the outlets that I follow. So I had to look into it and I'm glad I did because it's so interesting and, and so in depth. Yeah, he's sentenced to 16 years in prison for manslaughter, causing a maritime accident and abandoning ship. Seriously, fuck that guy. Fuck Only that 16 guy. years? Only 16 years. He uh, 
There was the potential for up to 32, but I he got I wish he'd have gotten every last one of them. I do too. Like, I, and I think he should have been charged for the diver who died trying to find people aboard the ship. Yeah. It should have been five years for every person who lost their life. Absolutely. At least. Absolutely. Um, before the trial, he was seen partying on the beach with his family, hanging out, just living a life of luxury. So after sentencing, he was quoted as romanticizing his prison cell as no different than a cabin aboard the ship where he first began his career. But he also says things like he wishes he died on the ship, too, but he made no moves to do so or to help anyone that was going to die. We wish you did. So too. that's pretty disingenuous. Um, he also is quoted as saying, I was painted worse than Bin Laden. So fuck this guy. But that's kind of a good point about his cell. <laughs> right? I was thinking that too. I was afraid right. to get like, oh. except he can't toodle a horn. Uh, it's like, what are you gonna do to me? Make me live in a little, little tiny uh, cabin? Right. <laughs> well, so much for Scatino. And so, in in prison is where he stays. Yes, to he this did day. appeal his 16 year conviction, but was soundly squashed. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. So now we're on the recovery. We gotta yes. get this fucking this boat out of the water. Okay. So a few things about the salvage. It was the largest salvage operation to date. Second ever. to the Titanic, right? Because the Titanic, it's right? They the, never Titanic. the Titanic that is one. where it sunk. It continues <laughs> right? to be at the bottom but of the, the Titanic. Atlantic. <laughs> it's the name means really it's, big. It's it it's does. too deep though. They can't salvage it. It's too deep. They do. I'm amazed they at have how solved much it. stuff they just they have, have not put in the effort to do it yet. I, how I mean, they've dredged they? up so much shit from down there, like yeah. entire walls of the Titanic. Yeah. On the shore now. If they so. take it up a piece at a time, it eventually gets salvaged. That's right? uh, it's, uh, it's all uh, all has its own set of issues and everything. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, besides that, the Titanic was half the size of the Costa Concordia. Wow. So why didn't they call this one Titanic? <laughs> Titanic <laughs> two. Titanic literally means really big. <laughs> That would be bad luck. So, but, um, yeah, so, the Isle of Giglio has a very, very delicate and very um, beautiful and sensitive. Like, there's a lot of variety. Oh, there's diverse. a lot of diverse, diverse, diverse diversity. Flora? There's diverse flora and fauna in the sea. Are they called flora and fauna in the sea? I don't know. They I think so. So, although most fuel and oil was siphoned out quickly after the wreck had happened. Thousands of pounds of cleaning chemicals and rotten food remained on board, and probably some just little bits of fuel and oil that were still in there. Well, thank God they got the fuel and oil. They got the oil. Well, they don't want it to spill into the reef. Uh, I'm sure that was their concern. <laughs> I hope so. Actually, I do. it's probably cheaper to just buy new stuff than to siphon out what's there. Right? I, yeah. that's, that's probably not a cost-effective solution <laughs> until you start considering the uh, local fines that you're going to be left So fat, fat a huge rent. part of the eco- ecological recovery effort involved these endangered giant mussels who had very comfortably taken root on the hull of the Costa Concordia. Mm. Uh, they can each reach up to three feet tall and had grown for about the, the entire 20 months that the ship was there. So each each muscle had to be carefully replaced in a safer environment before the ship could be salvaged, which is really kind of sweet. That's cute. It's nice no. that they were taking so much care. So did they, did they do a good job overall of containing the, the hazardous waste? Yes, they did an amazing job. They were very conscientious of the animals and the reefs and just trying to contain everything and to keep pieces from falling off, which was the biggest concern because of the way the bow was hanging over this underwater rock shelf. There was this fear that 
as it had sat for 20 months and because it was never designed to take any sort of force from the side that as they lifted it the bow would just crack off and fall into the into the deep water where it couldn't be recovered it was uh, we watched a film called uh, a documentary called raising the concordia it's an hour long and it kind of goes into the salvage of the concordia highly recommend it's so fascinating but it's not really anything you can I mean, we can tell you about it a little bit. We'll, we'll abbreviate it, but... It goes into detail. It's they talk so... about, like, the, the hoist they built for it. They talk about the engineering that they did. They, how much did they, like, what, they bring in, like, 300 engineers? From across, all over the world, from 30 countries. And they also, like, they talk a lot about plans that they had that failed, that they couldn't carry out. And, like, they're great ideas. And it's just amazing to see what they came they, up with. They probably could have just brought in, like, 50 guys from downriver to just scrap it. <laughs> <laughs> they would have had that ship taken Call care of. Call the boys from Detroit. Get in a fucking wagon yeah. or a shopping cart to stick the copper in. All, all the metal would be gone overnight. Uh-huh. <laughs> they won't know where it went, but that's not really the point, is it? No, it's true. I mean, and, like, it was really cool because it was one of those situations where they didn't Nobody sinks ships anymore, right? So they had to do, start from scratch to figure out how to get this thing out of it. This isn't something they had a whole lot of, like, reference material to work off of, other than mathematics. Yeah, it's, that's wild. How many how many cruise ships have sunk in the last, like, 50 years? Well, you can find lists of all the ships that sunk. Um, and some of them are passenger f- vessels, like ferries, or... I don't know... The situation seems to be worse with ferries. You don't really see a whole lot of cruise cruise ships sinking. We had the Oceanos, which I talked about in the last episode, which sunk in the 90s. It is another incredible story of a fuck-up captain who abandoned ship, went to prison, and as I mentioned in the last episode, the air rescue efforts were coordinated by the ship's magician and the ship's guitarist. They saved everyone aboard, which is fucking awesome. Um, There is also... I think in the 50s and 60s, there were a few cruise liners that went down, but it's not common. The worst accidents in besides cruise ships recently have been ferries with several hundred people aboard. I dove on a tugboat that sank in 1975. That's pretty neat, though. Yeah. yeah. The ship cost $612 million to build. The recovery effort cost $1.2 billion. Oh, billion? Billion. Yeah. It cost twice what it cost to build the ship to drag it out of that. Wow. Mike Bloomberg could run for office with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a big chunk of money. Yeah. Or something. And it wasn't, it wasn't because they wanted the metal and the scrap. It's because they were afraid about the, the ecological yeah. disaster yeah. that this would bring if it continued to sit there. It was so close to shore. And this is all because of one man's ego that this happened. I mean, it's, it's pretty awe-inspiring what one person's stupidity can do to something as massive as a cruise ship or to the United States. Did they leave all the liquor on board? Yes, they did. It's all there? And that threatened the ecology as well as the cleaning chemicals. So you could go on, you could sneak onto this boat and like find a bottle of vodka. Probably not That purser might have, he just called it (laughs) Coca-Cola. Soggy sandwiches and gin. Bottles of vodka floating by. Um, I do, I'm not going to go too into depth with this, but I do kind of want to touch on the recovery because it was such a huge fucking deal. And real quick, um, we're going to, if you haven't checked out our social media pages, we're going to have links to all kinds of pictures and stuff. We've got our favorite we, documentaries. Yes. Yeah, we've got documentaries. We've got photo galleries. We've got all kinds of cool stuff that we'll, we'll be throwing up on our Facebook, Instagram, and, and the Twitter. So be sure and check all that stuff out too. 
And nothing shall be graphic and nothing shall be... Yeah, no, nothing gross, nothing crass. Maybe a picture of us. Yeah, if there's a picture of us... Maybe a gross picture of us. That's as bad as it'll get. So in order to upright the sideways wreck, they had to build a pillow of concrete and then construct a series of steel frames the whole way along the ship under the seabed. It's like three football fields long. So at about two miles an hour, they slowly tip this ship over the course of a night, just very gently trying to pull it so as not to put too much strain onto the hull because they're afraid again that it's going to break off and fall into the sea. So they just slowly, slowly, slowly over the course of like 12 hours put it back upright. And you can watch a time lapse of this and it's super fascinating. So then they've got it upright and the bow is you can see like the top four decks it's mostly underwater still so they had constructed basically another ship around the ship that they could inflate and bring it up as soon as it was in the right position so they had these things that were kind of like shipping crates assembled around it on the sides that they could fill with air and just boost it up and then call them aluminum water wings aluminum water wings (laughs) so uh it was taken back eventually once they got it upright and you could like it's once you see the 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 amount of damage to that one side of the ship that had been underwater you really like you really get a a grasp of the scale of the tragedy and it is truly amazing that only 33 people lost their lives as a result of this it's it looks terrible so they sailed this back to the port of genoa where it was built and it was completely dismantled by 2017. And I, I think I threw out 1.2 billion, but there are all these different numbers that you see anywhere between 1.2 and $2 billion that this costs. It's an insane amount of money. The most yeah. expensive recovery operation in history. Yep. And again, it only cost $612 million to build the stupid thing. That's it, though. You could make it. I could have one tomorrow. You could have one tomorrow. So. I suppose the moral of the story is if you just feel like something's wrong, go to the lifeboats. Don't trust the captain. Don't listen to the crew who is at his behest. Just do what you think you need to do. And the story is infuriating because it was all so fucking preventable. Even if this captain did all the same dumb things that landed the Concordia on the underwater rock shelf, many more people could have been saved if they had just sounded the general emergency alert right away instead of waiting for an hour. And I can't help but feel that this was a really, really, really big deal that we overlooked a little bit here in the U.S. after it initially happened in 2012. Though the news coverage seemed pretty thorough in Europe, I didn't really see a lot of it here. And when I talked to people about doing this research and I got super sucked in and I wanted to talk to everybody about it. It was very, very interesting to me, but they didn't really know what happened either. I'm glad I looked into it. Above all, though, hire better captains. For sure. Nah, he was fine. Well, they certainly won't be able to hire worse captains. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) You say that, but I bet they could. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I'm going to go apply for a job (laughs) at Carnival as a ship captain. Oh, man. I will, like, use me as a reference. I was your supervisor on the last boat you worked oh, on. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you for that, by the way. The Greg Cordia. I was the first mate on Greg Cordia. <laughs> we had 5,000 crew and... Yeah, a climbing wall. Yeah. 5,000 crew and uh, passengers on my ship, and there was a climbing wall. Yeah. So That's how you know 
it didn't sink. So and a water slide, and it didn't sink. You ever see the news stories about my ship sinking? Yeah, the Gregoria is still floating. Well, it didn't sink. <laughs> it did catch fire and float for several days with no power or food. We got off. We're fine. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that thing after we left. It's like a speed. I know it didn't sink. <laughs> Attached to it. We're like, see you guys. All right. That brings us to the end of yeah. another episode of the What a Disaster podcast. One with a slightly more depressing tone because it was real. Check out the show notes. We're going to have all our references in there. Like all references, our sources. Uh, show notes, and uh, social media pages. So Richard doesn't just send people away from social media. Because Get away from social media. You know what? Don't get away from social media. Go engage in our brand. We yeah. need it. Yep. Chris needs it. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, Smash that like button. Smash that, that like button. button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see if you can subscribe to us in five seconds. Five, four, three, three two, two, one. What? Are you subscribed? Did you do it? Yeah, yeah. You better be subscribed. All right. We're coming to get you if you're not. Chris? Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Every Horror Movie on Netflix. Yeah, check out his wildly successful podcast, Captain Big Cast over here. Thanks for uh, acting aside me in our... Yeah, it was a pleasure, and I think this was a fun uh, exercise. I mean, fun... You know, I use that term loosely because yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about a horrible real-life disaster. But, you know, it's it's it's, it's always nice. The content nice. is not fun, but it, the experience it's, is. it's always nice to learn something from the, a podcast, you know? Yeah. There's probably a German word for enjoying the process of discussing something terrible. And it's probably got <laughs> yeah. a lot of syllables and a lot of... There probably is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you should look that up, Greg. Uh, I sure you, will. And then post it to our social media. It'll be, on our, it'll be on our Instagram if I can find it. So just check back every day or two. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you know, we we do this for a living. So go to our Patreon page. <laughs> okay. Donate. All right. Donate five dollars. So you ca- you caught all the important stuff, and you can call us 209-781-9113. That's us. That's our phone number. That's where we're at. You can call us. You could call us. I'll answer. First, I'll think you're like spam. Okay. So I'll screen the call first. What he meant to say was, you can text us so that we got everything covered, but apparently we didn't. Uh, no, we and we're leaving. Where well, I'm leaving. I don't care what these guys do. I'm right. texting you. We're taking over Greg's house. Nope. Nope.